being preserved, not pagan beliefs. This is particularly apparent when the former deities appeared in these accounts as ancient heroes or heroines, and were not accorded any divine status, particularly apparent in the Welsh sources. Or, if they were, they were represented as defeated old deities who had given way to the overlordship of Christ, or were reconstructed as Christian saints, as in the cases of St. Brigid, Bridget, and St. Gobnet, based on the god of smiths, Govnia, although this may have been further complicated in the case of the former by the existence of a real woman of this name in the early Irish church, and in the case of Arthur there may have been a conflation of semi-historical and mythical figures. Since none of these myths were written down by pagan believers, and therefore all were recorded, reworked, or adapted by later, sometimes much later, medieval Christian writers, it is helpful to know when they were recorded and the nature of the sources. Consequently, alongside the retelling of the myths, readers will also find references to the sources in which they were recorded, along with some assessment of the way in which these later myths connected with evidence for earlier beliefs and evidence from other Celtic areas. To make matters more accessible, the titles of written sources are given in modern English, and their original titles, Latin, Irish, Welsh, Breton, etc., follow in brackets. Chapter 1 Who are and were the Celts? In this book we shall be exploring the myths and legends of the Celts. However, before this can be attempted, a number of issues need clarification. The first is the question of who are and were the Celts. The second is, what do we mean by the terms myth, or mythology, and legend? This second issue is far from simple, but it is straightforward compared with the first. Who are the Celts today? Today, there is a generally accepted popular understanding of who we mean by Celtic peoples and communities. The term has become a standard one to describe the communities of the Atlantic coastlines of Europe who are distinct from the historically dominant populations of England, France, and Spain. When the Festival Interceltique de l'Orient in Breton, Gouelieu Etre Celtique en Orient, takes place annually at Lorient in Brittany, France, it draws together musicians, singers, painters, dancers and other artists from across the Celtic world. Principally represented are those from Brittany, Cornwall, Cumbria, Ireland, the Isle of Man, Scotland and Wales. Together these make up the most obvious modern communities who claim a Celtic identity. Less obviously Celtic to non-attendees at such festivals are the visitors from Asturias and Galicia in northern Spain and from Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia, Canada. In addition, there are those from the worldwide Celtic diaspora. What all these disparate groups perhaps have in common is a sense of being different from the majority populations of the countries within which they reside, alongside a sense of a harder-to-define set of common characteristics, expressed in a love of traditional music, poetry, and use of instruments such as the harp and bagpipes. Those from Ireland, 
Western Scotland and the Isle of Man share a linguistic heritage, speaking, or in the case of the Isle of Man, reviving languages, Irish, Scottish Gaelic, Manx, that form a part of a language group described as Gaelic or Goidelic. Each of these languages derives from Middle Irish, and originally from Old or Primitive Irish. A dialect of Scottish Gaelic is still spoken on Cape Breton and in other areas of Nova Scotia and is known as Canadian Gaelic. Gaelic, or Goidelic, is one of the two branches of Insular Celtic, Celtic languages originating in the British Isles. The other branch is Britonic or Brythonic and includes Breton, Cornish, Welsh and the extinct Cumbric language that was once spoken in what is now northwest England. Pictish, the language of eastern and northern Scotland until it became extinct circa 900.